Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I'm Audrey Cooper, the editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and you're listening to Fifth Emission. Today, we're going to be speaking about our first responders and how they are faring under the shelter-in-place orders and the spreading coronavirus pandemic. It's no secret that the heroes of this war will be the healthcare professionals around the globe. In New York City alone, the epicenter of the U.S. coronavirus pandemic, more than 1,200 police officers are positive for COVID-19, and another 5,600 are out sick. First responders in the Bay Area have also been increasingly sickened by the virus, and some of them are facing additional hardships even beyond the exposure. Joining me today to discuss our first responders is Megan Cassidy. Megan, thank you for joining me. I actually want to do this podcast in two different chunks. You have a pretty um, shocking story that's going to be on sfchronicle.com about an ambulance company and what they are doing to some of their employees. But first, I want to talk more broadly about our first responders. How are they doing overall? And are, are we seeing increasing numbers of them getting sick uh, sickened by the virus. Uh, we are, and and uh, it's important to note that this week actually marked the first death of somebody who had complications uh, in the coronavirus. Uh, it was a, a detective in Santa Rosa, but yeah, it, it seems like pretty much every day we're seeing the numbers creep up a little higher. Um, pretty much every large agency now in the Bay Area, with um, including fire and police, have at least a handful. Um, two in San Francisco, uh, police, uh, three in Oakland police. Um, San Jose, actually, the um, fire department there has uh, been hit the hardest, which isn't really the surprise given uh, that the that Santa Clara County has been the epicenter in the Bay Area. They've so far had 14 members of the department that have already tested positive and 15 others who are being monitored. That's Those are, of course, really terrible numbers that, that anyone is affected by it. But, it. but it certainly is not as bad as New York City yet, where, where huge parts of the departments are, are being taken out. How how are um, various departments here in the Bay trying to limit exposure for people who who can't stay six feet apart from people that they're helping? Right. You know, it's you know, it's really part of their day to day duties to come in contact with people, whether it's um, fire, fire crews, medics on ambulances or police arresting people or helping with an overdose. Um, but some of the things that different Bay Area agencies are doing, like in San Francisco, uh, they have been recommended now to wear just regular masks um, when they're out when they're out on patrols and to use uh, the the N95 masks that help filter out particles, uh, they are ordering the police to wear them whenever they come into contact with somebody who potentially has COVID-19 or, or is obviously a confirmed case. 
um, for fire crews and ambulance workers, it's uh, actually pretty stark, the differences that they, the changes that they've made since uh, the virus started taking hold in the Bay Area. In Oakland, um, f- the fire crews, when they get called to a medical emergency, typically they have a four-engine crew. They would have three people that would go inside the house, figure out how to take somebody out. And in this case, they are A, only asking somebody to try to meet them outside and not go into the home at all. And if the person can't go outside, they'll send one person, one of the crew, into the home fully outfitted in masks, gowns, goggles, uh, and other gear to prevent uh, contraction. Is is that only for uh, cases where they suspect coronavirus might be a factor or is that for any medical call? That's that's for any medical call. They they used to take these precautions when um, there was perhaps a uh, this a sign that, that somebody did have a um, c- contagious disease. But in this case, this is just all calls now. I know there are some cases that you mentioned fire departments where they're normally they might take somebody to the hospital and that's not happening anymore. Where Where is that happening? Right. Yeah. In in Oakland, uh, for the first time, uh, uh, fire crews are actually refusing to transport some patients now. That's something that before they did not have the authority to do. Um, but what they're saying is, if somebody you know has potentially had a bad stomach ache or has broken their ankle, um, it's actually more dangerous to bring that person to the hospital to transport them and get them sick uh, with coronavirus than it would be for them to either wait it out, get some medication, get specialized care. Um, And even if the person that they're tending to does have coronavirus, they don't want to, they don't want to bring somebody to the hospital unless they are seriously gravely ill, because then that person could infect more people at the hospital. What's happening in terms of the schedules and and preparations for what might happen in some of these departments? I'm, I'm thinking particularly smaller ones, where if they have a lot of people exposed, they could have a huge part of their their uh their force wiped out by this, or at least not able to come to work. Right. Yeah. And and that is something that a lot of, uh, especially as you said, the smaller agencies are worried about Um, San Jose, which is, you know, a larger department, um, San Jose Fire, uh, has said that uh, to date, they've been able to... um, to stretch their resources and be able to backfill the the openings. Um, and if that becomes less possible, then the department will request mutual aid. Mutual aid, meaning they'll have to get people from uh, around California to exactly. come in and right. do shifts for them. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, that's something we hear a lot about when there are uh, wildfires of giving mutual aid. You don't really hear about it in terms of a healthcare crisis. Right, right. Yeah. And um, I know know, I spoke to the San Francisco police chief, Bill Scott, a couple of days ago. He said that they are also bracing for this kind of crisis. Uh, They considered themselves very lucky so far that only two two of their members have been actually uh, tested positive. But they have several different working blueprints of what they will do if there's an extreme shortage. You know in this article that you wrote that fewer people are being arrested in San Francisco. Is that because um, all the 
bad guys and bad ladies are are inside their houses sheltering in place? Or is that a conscious decision to not take people to jail now? of both. Um, in, in San Francisco um, and San Jose as well, uh, we've seen crime numbers just plummet. And, and that's not for arrests. That's just crimes being committed, reporting to uh, being reported to the dispatchers. Um, but then also a lot more police are issuing citations and releasing people rather than arresting them for low level crimes. So that has resulted in um, a lot fewer people uh, going to jails, having contact with, with police and then potentially either spreading coronavirus themselves or picking it up while they're in the jail. Well, is that for the benefit of the people not going to jail or is that to also keep the officers away from people so they don't have to physically restrain somebody or put them in the back of a police car? Right. It, it's a mix of both. It, it's uh, it's both for the, the safety of the officers and of the community. After I read your article, I got the impression, and, and I don't know if you would put it this way, that some police, uh, or excuse me, some fire departments and ambulance departments are rationing care at this point. Is, is that is that what we're looking at going on right now? I, I think that's uh, a pretty fair assessment. Um, you know, the the fire uh, fire officials that I talked to said that they are being forced to make some really uh, heavy decisions lately. Um, like I said before, they would, if somebody wanted a transport, they would not be able to refuse them transport. And at, at this point, they are at, you know, having to say no to some people. I'm speaking to reporter Megan Cassidy about coronavirus and how it is impacting our first responders. Megan, when we come back after the break, I want to ask you specifically about one ambulance company um, where that we've heard some complaints over and you can explain why. We'll be back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Megan, before we went to break, we were talking broadly about what is going on in terms of keeping our first responders safe in the Bay Area. Uh, We've received some complaints into the newsroom about a specific ambulance company, um, a Danish company that has been providing ambulance services in Alameda County. Can you tell us about this company? Uh, Sure. The company is called Falk. Uh, They have been contracting with Alameda County since July of last year. Uh, They are the largest uh, emergency medical provider in the world. They operate on five different continents in 30 different countries. They're just, they're a healthcare giant. And uh, we know um, from hearing from some of the employees that I mean, it's incredible right now. We know we need more healthcare providers everywhere in the hospitals and clinics and and helping uh, stave off this pandemic. But this company is actually talking about furloughing employees. That doesn't seem to make any sense at all. What is, what are they thinking? Right, right. I mean, I I, I found this shocking on in two regards. One. 
the reason they are looking at furloughing employees is because call volume is actually down, um, which was very surprising to me. Um, but what what the officials there are thinking that it is is people are you know following the orders to shelter in place, uh, and they are trying not to tie up nine one one lines uh, with non emergency calls. Um, and then also like what we were talking about in the earlier part of the podcast, um, a lot, a lot of times the fire crews will refuse to transport people because they don't want to bring them to the hospitals. So that could be contributing to the lower call volumes. Um, but it, it was still, even despite all of this and despite the fact that they are a private company that obviously needs to make money to operate, it was still pretty shocking that in the current climate, they would be talking about furloughing employees. Now, Alameda County, you said contracts with this company to provide ambulance services. I think most people assume ambulance is tied in with police departments and fire departments. Can you just generally explain how ambulance services work in California? Sure. So when you call 911 and and have some sort of a medical emergency, typically what happens is that a fire crew will come um, with, with four members on it, and then also an ambulance will come. Um, that doesn't mean that the ambulance will transport you. Um, but they will, they will show up, assess the situation, and then everybody there will make the decision to transport. Um, so fire crews are employed by the local governments and then ambulance crews in, in, in Alameda County and many other places are contracted by a private company. And you, you mentioned that Alameda County just gave them this contract. Can officials in Alameda County do anything to keep them from furloughing employees? You know, that's that's unclear. Um, I have asked the officials that um, what they haven't given me a direct answer on that yet, except for that they are going to do everything that they can to keep the to keep Falk from furloughing these employees. Um, the county officials that I've talked to said that this is an ever evolving situation. We health officials think that California and the Bay Area also have not reached its apex in the number of cases that we're seeing. And the call volume could increase within hours or within days. Um, And they are worried that we will be underprepared. Yeah, I, I can I can imagine what has Falk responded to any of your calls? Have they explained what they're thinking of? Are these going to be long term furloughs or or one day at a time? What are they thinking? Well, they're they have not denied that they're considering furloughs. Um and they have showed me some, you know, and some examples of the call volumes uh between February and March. And in there is a there is a stark difference. Um, but they really have not released any of the details about the potential furlough. Um, some employees say that it will uh, likely be based uh, by reversed uh, reverse seniority. So if you're there for only a year or so, you probably will be. If you're there for five years or longer, you might be safe. But they haven't really released any information on how many could be affected and by how many hours. The employees who work for Falk also say that they're running into issues with um, sick leave, which we know we want people to take their sick leave and we want them to stay home if they're not feeling well. 
at any time, but particularly during a crisis like this, what's the specific issue with their sick time while working for Falk? Right. So they, most employees who I've talked to said that they get, they've, they have about 36 hours of sick leave that, that is already banked. Um, but if they are quarantined or are, or isolated, that can take, you know, seven days, nine days, 14 days. And, um, 36 hours for uh, a paramedic or an EMT equals 12-hour shifts, three 12-hour shifts. So it really doesn't amount to to much if you need to take that kind of leave. Um, and additionally, because they just started contracting with the county um, in July, a lot of these employees that had accrued more um, paid time off, vacation time, had to cash that out in the summer of last year or use it up. And so they are starting from scratch with, uh, with accruing their paid time off. And so if they are told to go home because they're not feeling well, they'll have to use their vacation days or, and or their sick days, um, or otherwise take time off unpaid. And that's what some employees have already had to do. That, that doesn't seem like very much sick time anyway uh, i mean right I, I i agree 3 days is not that seems like a very low amount of sick days no matter what um a lot of big companies have used this time period to reassess their sick leave. Um, I, I know at Hearst we have um, extended our disability leave and will pay people full time, uh, even if their quarantine or symptoms last beyond the amount of sick time that they have. What are other companies doing? And and is is Falcon outlier here in terms of big companies and how they're operating during this pandemic? You know, it seems like at least for the companies, the, the large companies who still have uh, workers reporting to the office, uh, it does seem like it's an outlier. So, you know, for instance, companies like Home Depot and Target, Walmart, Amazon, they have um, extended their their paid sick leave, uh, extended their the hours of paid time off. Um, Target, I think, has uh, has temporarily raised uh, the hourly wages by two dollars an hour for the for at least the next month. And this is all this is all temporary, but all due to just this unprecedented crisis that is going to cause a financial hardship on a lot of people. Right. Megan, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'd like to thank Megan Cassidy for being with me today. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 